Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In My Father's House by Corey Tinboom, and it is given to us permission by Light Trails Publishing and the Tinboom Foundation, and we are on Chapter 3 from Small Beginnings. My doll, Casparina, and I were going to have a party. Mama and Tante Anna were cooking, and I watched their long skirts bustle past me from my perch on the footstool beneath the table. This was a wonderful place to play, safe and secure beneath the red and black tablecloth. My friend was named after my father, but the resemblance ended there. I loved her very much, but dragging her up and down the stairs of the billet had left her with a few fingers missing and slightly cracked head. Oh, my. Why couldn't she look like Noli's dolly, who was immaculately dressed and didn't have a scratch on her china face? Poor Casparina. She would never be in the same society with Emma, Betsy's doll, who was named after the mother of the queen. Never mind, Casparina, I whispered to her in the shelter of our little house beneath the table. Jesus loves you, and so do I. When I was especially happy, I would sing a little song which Tentians had composed. I should just like to come, Savior, in the beautiful Father's house. However, instead of singing to come, I substituted to peek, combining my words with a mischievous look around the fat table leg. Tante Anna laughed at me. Corey, you'd better not let Tante Jans hear you change the words in her song. When she writes, I shall like to come to heaven, that's what she means. Some things grown-ups don't understand, I thought. I meant that it would be great fun just to look around for a moment in heaven, where I knew I would spend my future. I just wanted a little peek. After all, my father's house, right here on the Bartolorstadt, was all the heaven I wanted just then. I clutched Casparina's three fingers hand in mine and whispered, We'll just stay in our own secret place where no one will ever, ever scold us for anything. A time to uproot. A time comes when all children, even a little Dutch girl with her jaw set and her black stockinged legs rigid upon the staircase, must leave her father's house for a time. I was born with my feet slightly turned in, a defect which the doctor said would cure itself in time and growth. Don't worry, he told Mama and Papa. When she's about 16, she'll become vain enough to turn her toes the right way. However, when I turned my toes in even more and tightened my fingers in a knuckle-whitening grip on the railing, I meant business. I'm not going to school. I know how to read. I can learn arithmetic from Papa, and Casparina needs me at home. There, that was settled. Of course you're not going to school alone, Corey. I'm going to walk with you. Papa bent over me, his beard tickling the top of my head, and one by one loosened my fingers on the railing. With the release of each finger, I howled a bit louder. By the time Papa had my hand in his, he was almost dragging me down the street toward school. I thought my hand would break, just like Casparina's, and then it would become impossible for me to go to school. It must have taken great dignity for Papa with his immaculate suit and erect carnage, to struggle past the homes and shops of his friends with a red-faced child announcing her objections to the entire world. I knew my father was not angry, but his will was law and I had to obey. When we arrived at the school, I saw a little boy being carried into Master Robin's classroom in his father's arms. At least I was walking. He was crying lustfully and even louder than I was. He looked so ugly that I felt sorry for him. But what about me? 
I realized how I must look to others, and I stopped abruptly. Papa released my hand, and my fingers weren't broken after all. Only my heart was slightly injured. However, when Papa kissed me gently on the cheek, bringing the familiar fragrance of cigars and cologne, he assured me that when school was over, he would be waiting at home, and I knew I would find that blessed security I needed in the shelter of his arms. God was teaching me a little lesson in the small life, because 67 years later, he would remind me of my fingers on the railing. I was in the room of Zanzadun, a house in Holland, which some friends and I had established first for ex-prisoners who had been in the concentration camps, and later for any person who needed nursing and rest. I had been traveling so much and was tired, and tired of strange beds and different foods, tired of dressing for breakfast, and tired of new people and new experiences. I liked this very luxurious house with its large rooms and decided to stay and enjoy the comfortable life in Holland, although I knew that God didn't agree with my decision. Most of the furniture in the entire house was mine, but there was one room in particular which reminded me of the happy family life of my past. It was a room that held my treasures, photographs of those I loved, mementos of my family during the years before. Every picture was like the railing on the stairs. My hands grasped the past and tried to hold on, but my Heavenly Father's hands were stronger. I left the house for a while for some speaking engagements, intending to return to my old room and settle in for good. However, when I came back to the house, some weeks later, my pictures were down. The strange belongings of someone else were on the bed. My friends had not known of my personal decision to return to this room. My irregular life, my coming and going unexpectedly, was difficult for those who had to manage the big family of patients and staff in an orderly way. But I decided to stay, and that was settled. My Heavenly Father spoke to me. Only obey me, Corey. I'll hold your hand. It is my will that you leave your room. Later you will thank me for this experience. You do not see it, but this is one of my great blessings for you. My Heavenly Father's hand was firm, but I knew his love. I packed up my suitcase again and left for the United States. How the Lord blessed my time there. Meetings began to grow in size, and when I saw people come from darkness into light, from bondage into liberation. I began to see the pattern. I could praise my father that his hands were stronger than mine. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Blue stones can hurt. School life did not prove to be as horrible as I thought. I can still remember the sensation of victory when I worked out an arithmetic problem and discovered that the final figure was what it was supposed to be. However, my mind was not always so attentive to details. I was a daydreamer, carrying my fantasies into a world where everyone else needed an expensive new watch and every day was a walk on the dunes with the sunshine warming my cheeks. The headmaster of our school was a strict taskmaster, insisting upon obedience and discipline without question. He had warned all the children not to step on the blue stone, which was a small square stone slightly higher than the rest in the outer yard. I was not paying attention to his instructions and stepped on the stone. Instantly, my face was smarting from a sharp slap on my cheek. I can still feel the shame of it. After all these years, for I don't believe that people at home had ever slapped my face, a color photo plate was impressed upon my mind, which has never faded. The tears covered my face. 
but I could see the girl who stood in front of me who wore a red dress and a white apron. There was a green door on the garden gate, and the colors all blended with the blazing eyes of Mr. Laron, the headmaster. I couldn't wait to get home that day. Before I opened the door, my cries had overpowered the sound of the bell, which announced any visitors to the shop. Mama took me on her lap and comforted me, and when I had quieted, Papa held me in his arms, as he did when I was a baby. I can still feel the sensation of safety as I put my head upon his shoulder. What a security to have a refuge when life is really hard. Forty-five years passed after the Bluestone incident. The Gestapo had arrested me, and I was being asked the location of a secret room in which I had hidden four Jews and two underground workers. I realized that if I told, it would mean prison and possibly death for the six people who were there. So I didn't tell. The interrogator slapped me on the face. And at the same moment, I recall the backyard of the school, the angry headmaster and mother and father's comforting help. Jesus, Lord Jesus, cover me, I cried. If you mention that name, I'll murder you, shouted the man. But his hand stopped in midair, and he couldn't slap me any longer. What a security to have a refuge when life is really hard. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings I will make my refuge until the calamities be overpassed. Psalm 57.1 In that father's house. Our house was not very big, but it had wide open doors. I don't think that many guests who came to the bay ever realized what a struggle it was to make both ends meet. As mother said, we must turn every penny twice before we spent it. We didn't feel that we were poor, however, and indeed we weren't. The words, we can't afford it, were not a part of our thinking. Because as children, we knew something about the status of our family finances and didn't ask for what we knew was impossible. Some lonesome people found a place with us where there was music, humor, interesting conversation, and always room for one more at the oval dinner table. Oh, it's true. The soup may have been a little watery when too many unexpected guests came, but it didn't really matter. Mother loved guests, and her lovely blue eyes would brighten, and she would pat her dark hair into place when she knew we would be squeezing another visitor around our table, always bursting with four children, three aunts, herself and Papa. With a flourish, she would place a little box on the table, and spreading her arms wide, she would say to our visitors, You are welcome in our house, and because we are grateful for your coming, we will add a penny to the blessing box for our missionaries. Years afterwards, on my trips around the world, I would have been dependent upon the hospitality of others. I believe that I have enjoyed the reward for the open doors and hearts of our home. Here, on earth, I have enjoyed the house of many mansions. I often think of that verse which says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1. Corey, stand still. Although money was scarce and the outside world thought we were wealthy, Every member of the family dressed neatly and well, at least almost everybody. Mother made the most of our clothes until the burden became too much, and Miss Anna van der Weyden, the seamstress, came in to help. Clothes to me were just something to keep me covered and warm. The endless fittings for the new dress and inevitable pricks from the countless pins were torture to my restless body. Corey, come here, dear. Mother would call in the tone I knew was meant to be another torture session trying on clothes. If I didn't finish this homework, Mama, Master Robbins will make me stand in the corner. Corey? There was no escape. 
I knew if I didn't subject myself to trying on a new dress which Mama was making, that I would be probably assigned next time to Miss Von de Waden, and her clothes didn't fit as well as Mama's. The whole process was such a bore, and there was no way I could look like Nolly or Bessie. Anyhow, I just preferred to be me. However, I was a tin boom, and I must not bring shame to the family name. Mother had such a marvelous sense of humor, and having been a kindergarten teacher before her marriage, we profited by her practical understanding of the way of children think. She knew that praising my appearance would not provide me with motivation for my self-esteem. However, when she said, Coryman, you are such a bright girl. I'm sure Master Robbins calls on you often in class. You do want to look nice when you stand up to recite, don't you? And then she would strike a responsive chord, for I was eager to learn and have recognition in school. I stood still for Mama, but only briefly. There was so much to do and so many things to learn and so much to live. I had a built-in sense of urgency to cram all that life and love could offer into each precious day. Well, that is the end of chapter three, and next time it will be chapter four, the many ages of love. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.